Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. So today is, uh, we're still in the series, Juicy Fruit, but um, I, I don't think that uh, long-suffering is a fruit that anybody wants, really. <laughs> it's like uh, maybe the prune of the list. I don't know, you know. All the, you know, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, oh, self-control, you know. They're all, they've all very much warmed the heart. Nobody's like, oh God, thank you for my, my gift of long suffering, you know. <laughs> it's the last one that we really uh, would desire or want. Uh, but I think it is uh, the fruit of a healthy life, a healthy walk with Jesus. That as we are beginning to be refined as believers in this world that we live in, that there's something about fire that makes us stronger. There's something about these tough times that create in us deeper roots that go down, down, down and create this blossoming plant. You know, if uh, uh, Paul would say, I glory in my weakness, how, how can we get to the point where we glory in our weakness? Sometimes we are, you know, we have things that we do or we're good at that we're very strong at. We're like, oh yeah, I'm confident. I know I can, I can handle this. But actually to be a newbie in something, to be a rookie in something and create this, this sense of I'm glorying in my weakness. Because in our weakness, we become much more malleable. We become much more able to be um, guided by the Spirit in our weakness. Because in our strength, our pride goes up and it's like, nah, I got this, mom. Don't worry. Dad, don't worry about that. I got this. As opposed to having the need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that descended on Jesus like a dove the most skittish of creatures in his gentleness leads us to where we should be. And our verse for Juicy Fruit is found in Galatians, Paul's stunning rebuke of those who had decided to take up again all of the rituals of Jewishness, including circumcision, as a way to get closer to God. And Paul is telling them, no, we are people of the Spirit who expect the work of the Spirit to create in us lessen the distance between us and the Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law that we would suffer long as we have been through this uh, pandemic. It, it seems to just keep rolling on and on and on. And we hear somebody else who has COVID. We hear of someone else who has passed away. And we're like, God, when is this going to be over? When are we going to reach the end of this? When in actuality, we are being refined in the midst of it. 
And a question to not ask is, when is it it's over? The question to ask is, what is my posture in the midst of it? How do I walk through this with a grace that I can expect you to show up and to be close to me? Give me patience in the midst of this. But, you know, I know it's easier said than done. In James 1, 2 through 8, it says, My brethren, call it, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, he, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That we ask God for things and we don't realize that he's not going to give us those things, but he will give us the opportunity to grow in those. The song that we've been singing for so long, I want to be tried by fire, purified. God is like, okay, all right. (laughs) Come on, God, bring it on. No, I just said that in worship, you know. I didn't really mean it that way. <laughs> I didn't really want to be refined that way. God is like, I heard you. You know what I'm saying? When we ask for patience, he's not going to say, here's a gift wrapped gift of patience. He's going to say, let me give you some opportunities to be patient. I'm going to have 15 people cut you off on the way to work. <laughs> oh, bless them in Jesus' name. <laughs> Give us opportunities to grow this fruit. Let us, this time, be embraced as a time to grow the fruit of long-suffering. That we're not like, when is this over? Come on. Like, I'm, I'm ready to go somewhere. I'm ready to get to the next thing. I'm re- we're always ready to move on, and we're ready to move on. But there is something when we are present that we realize we are learning right now. There is something that he's building inside of us. Well, we can even say, God, let, let me stay in this trial until I learn what I need to learn. I need some more patience, God. I need more kindness, God. God is like, oh, you want kindness. Okay, Thanksgiving is coming up. So we get to do this thing every year, which is called wrestle with our families. (laughs) That we can avoid all the rest of the year, you know what I'm saying? And I realize that this time is tough for so many people. This This cannot be a glorious time because you sit around a table and you realize who's not there. You realize the people that didn't make it to this year. My sister passed away this coming up week, six years ago. And this time of year is always a reminder of that. Like, this is what we're walking through. So many trials on top of trials, trauma on top top of trauma. But God has given us freely of his spirit to walk through it all.
patience is confidence in the appearance of favor. It, that it may not look like it right now, but you are always looking, waiting patiently for over the horizon to come that sun that will show you favor in the midst of your trials. Abraham, who I always talk about, we're going to talk about him some more in our next series, which I'm excited about, um, about Abraham and his path, the path that God took us through Scripture, through all these covenants to Jesus. But Abraham waited 25 years from when God said, you're going to have a son. And I'm going to call you the father of many nations. Abraham is like, can I have one son? <laughs> like, I don't need many nations. I, I will take one kid right now. 25 years, he's waking up every single day. Trying to keep the promise that God has told him in front of him. Nonetheless, that God told him late in the game when he was 75. Imagine hearing that at 75. You're like, all right, God, you know what I'm saying? You know, I know sometimes we, we like to remind God when he's late on a promise or a plan, man. Imagine at 75 him telling you that. That's like at 75, you're going to be the best basketball player on earth. What? <laughs> at 75? That's how ridiculous that sounds. It says in Hebrews 9 that his loins were as good as dead. <laughs> but I'm hopeful, you know, waking up jolly, you know. <laughs> a very often waiting in the midst of suffering makes us frustrated. And trust God as a guy that you can bring all your frustration, your anger, your pain, everything to him. The entirety of the human experience God is not afraid of. But in our frustration, we lose sight of what we have. And it's a time of preparation. That we are supposed to be coming more excellent, not more frustrated. That you know... When you're frustrated and you're looking for something, it can be on your head and you won't find it. It can be right in front of it and you right in front of you and you won't see it. Because you're frustrated and angry, God, get me out of this. Ugh, this is horrible. God is like, you think frustration moves me? Not really. We're just going to stay where we are for a little bit longer until patient has his work in us and creates in us the most obvious statement is patience takes its time it takes its time in us and it doesn't work um, it seems and men have been trying to hurry God for centuries and make him do things in their timing He's like, look, I'm writing a story that is eons to go. I'm so encouraged by the people in Scripture who have managed to show the perseverance 
in the midst of suffering, that long suffering becomes this patience in action. The Syrophoenician woman who Jesus insults with a racist insult. She begs of him, come heal my daughter. Jesus says, should I give the bread of the children to the dogs? And she comes back with even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. That she didn't go away. She pressed in, although she had suffered from when her daughter was a child till now. That she didn't go away daunted. She remained undaunted. Or even Hannah in her prayers without a child. And she is desperate, throwing everything she can on the altar to the Lord and says, all right, God, I will dedicate my son to you. Just give me my son. That that desire had gone down so deep in her that it created this wonderful tree with fruit on it. It's called long-suffering. And she would not even be undaunted by no evidence that this was supposed to be so. That the seed of that desire that God had planted was not shallow at all. As Jesus talked about in the parable of the seed and the sower, that sometimes seed is scattered and it's so shallow, springs up, has no root, or even crows come and take those seeds away. In Hannah, it was deep. Or even thinking about Joshua, who in Joshua 10 asked God for more time to fight, which is not our natural posture. We are like, God, when is this fight over? <laughs> Make it over. Make the thing that I'm hoping for happen. Joshua says, please, God. Sorry about that. I almost hit except. <laughs> green, green. <laughs> Joshua and Joshua 10 Stays in a fight. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay in a fight. Stayed in the fight. He prayed this astounding prayer. God, don't let the sun go down until we destroy our enemies. When normally we say, let the sun go down, lest we be destroyed by our enemies. Anyone in here who's ever waited for that one, the one that God has given for you or those who are still waiting for the one, that one God has given you? Waiting for the one that God has given you knows that it's some long suffering in there, right? <laughs> You're kind of like uh, weeding your way through all the that uh, don't fit. <laughs> Suffering, waiting patiently for the one that God has created just for you. There is something that God creates when we wait patiently. 
we all love these stories in scripture of people who have um, done these awesome, amazing things, and we're like reading the highlights and marveling at how awesome they are to be used by God, but what we don't see are the reams and reams of time that they stood still seemingly, that they saw no evidence of God's goodness, that they were running, that they were frightened. Even David had to go through something like that. David is anointed, as we know, by Saul, and um, Saul comes to his home. He has uh, a whole bunch of brothers, eight brothers, and his father brings out, his father Jesse brings out all the ones who look like kings. Samuel, like, I'm here to anoint a king. He brings out all the ones who look like kings. Samuel says, nah, it's not, do you have another one? Oh, the one that you didn't even invite. You thought there's no leadership in this one. There is no, nothing salvageable about, salvageable about who he is. And what'd you say, honey? Yeah, probably, but I mean, <laughs> he left? Okay. I don't have my phone, so you, can you get my phone from Kalia? Sorry about that. It's a little. <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> Just keeping it real. All right. Now I have donuts on my mind. All right. <laughs> How are you just going to leave? All right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, David is not, uh, he's not even called to the party to anoint a king. And when he finally gets there, he's anointed by Samuel, we know the story, he defeats Goliath, and then it takes 17 years until he walks into Jerusalem as the true king, 17. But God has already given me a word, I already know what's going to happen, he's been anointed, it's a done deal, boom, then you have to walk through all of this long-suffering. Right smack dab in the midst of it is the story of Nabal and Abigail. Nabal's actual name is Fool. (laughs) As you can tell how this story is going to work out, Samuel has just died, David is a vagabond, and he's running from, um, Samuel has died and he's running from Saul. And he's in the wilderness with his men. They're just eating whatever they can. He doesn't have any money, but he's been anointed king. And everybody knows who he is. He's famous. Songs have been written about him. But he's a vagabond and poor right now. And in 1 Samuel 25 and 5, actually 1 Samuel 25 and 2, now, there was a man in Maon <laughs> whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. 
When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men. And David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him, who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shears. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away from each one of his masters. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men when I do not know where they are from? Ooh-wee! He actually was a fool. <laughs> do you know who you are talking to? And then I didn't include the verse where... David says to his guys, let's ride, fellas. <laughs> they start strapping on everything, and they're like, let's go confront this dude. And of course, Abigail meets him with some food and says, please don't, my husband is stupid. Don't, <laughs> don't do this, David. David is like, you know who I've killed? Come on, man. And I thought of this word for Nabal. Incredulity is the unbelief of reality. That he knew who David was, but he was in unbelief. And I think we sometimes are dragged incredulously through our trials. Like, you're going to go through it one way or another. <laughs> Oh, God, I would prefer to go kicking and screaming. He's like, okay. <laughs> Incredulous. Who is David? I don't, I don't know who this dude is. He's like, do you know what's happening right now? This dude is a bad man. I, I would just really go ahead and accept what is happening. But us in our denial many times will not accept the reality of our situations. Now, there is a difference between being incredulous and, and forgetting the identity of our situation. Now, you can be incredulous and say, this is not happening. Faith is saying, this is happening, but I know God is greater than the situation that I am in, that he has created me as a child of God to rise above every single situation. Now, it's not we are supposed to go through things, yes, but they are not supposed to become us. That we must understand what the plan of the enemy looks like and reject any identity that he attempts to put on us. Let us not be those who are in unbelief of the process that we are going through. But incredulous that that's where we have to stay. 
that we can believe as we embrace the process that God is doing something in us. And sometimes it takes more than a day or two. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God. That everyone is waiting for us to become who we will be at the end or in the midst of our long suffering. That this is the secret sauce of Christianity. That we know how the story ends. That means this is a process we're walking through that is glorious. I imagine my life sometimes is like this um, block, this path that I'm walking in. And many times we walk a straight and narrow line as much as possible as God has called us to, to make sure that we are in his will, right? But his will doesn't just have a way forward, it has a way to the side as we're going up. As we rest and live and walk in our moments, we are not just trying to get out of the process. We are understanding that in every single step, there is a richness to be had. There is a gift to be given. One time I was in Chicago, right, and I was at this gas station. And uh, this couple came up to me and was like, hey, man, we got some drugs. You, you need some drugs or something? I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm actually a pastor. They tripped out. Oh, my God. We, <laughs> we offer drugs to a pastor. <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> But B, I'm not offended. I'm going to press into it. I'm like, how are you guys doing? What's going on, you know? They started telling me a couple things, you know, that's going on in their life. And I offered them Jesus. Would you like to accept Jesus in your heart? And that was an emphatic yes right away. That in this process of life, that we have all these moments that we walk through and we're just like, I'm, I need to get out of this moment so I can get to the next one. I need to get out of this moment so I can get, and it's like, it's, it just drives us crazy. I'm out of this moment, on to the next one. Out of this mo- and it's like every situation that God has us in, wh- how do we pull him into it and show his goodness to others? How do we not be in a hurry in the season that's really what busyness is made of? That we are leaning into everything around us. 
Patience provides the proper response to the present provision from the provider. You guys want to stand up? Let's put your hands out in front of you in a receiving mode. I, I just feel like, especially in this next season, Advent, and even going into next year, there are some things that God wants us to learn to receive. That how do we create this reception for the King of Kings? That yes, he lives inside of us, but desires to be closer to us to us and with us. And I just want to pray for, I feel like there are some people that are really being like, I could call it like a torment, uh, like a, um, it's just like this dogged uncertainty that the more you ruminate and think on it, it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's almost crippling like an insurmountable obstacle. But I thank you, Father, that you are bigger than anything we can imagine in our minds, Father. Anything that um, the enemy has tried to inflate as he does, Father, that we are uh, mighty in you, Jesus, that even as we experience the fruit of long-suffering, we understand patience is building in us character, Father. Let us count it all joy that we are be refined as your beloved children and as such we are ready to receive the kingdom i pray for everyone that has pain in their bodies right now in jesus name those that have concerns that are going beyond um normal day-to-day concerns father that you would feed those who are hungry god that you would um come to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness jesus that you would give peace to those who have anxiety that you would give grace to those who don't have, who can't feel it, Lord God, that your presence would be continually with us. Show up tangibly and let us understand it is you who is doing all that we need before we need it. That in the midst of our long suffering that we are being refined into a glorious, spotless church and a people of God. In Jesus' name. Hot butter, Jesus. Let's give it up for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah.